Degenerate Angels. Welcome back to another dark, dirty, dangerous week inside the Confessions booth. My name is Allie Weiss. For those of you who are new here, and this is Tales of Taboo, an investigation into and celebration of what happens behind closed doors. So each week, I invite my audience and their friends and their friends of friends to share stories about their various out-of-the-ordinary or downright socially unacceptable life experiences, all behind the shield of complete anonymity. So the result is somewhere between daytime television, a therapy session, and like an expensive experimental lobotomy in the mountains of Switzerland. And truthfully, it all gives me more joy than I can possibly begin to describe. But let's get into it. This week... Bouncing off last week's Q&A with famous escort Vivian Cole, we are now talking about and to sugar babies. I'm sure many of you have heard of the website Seeking Arrangements, and if you haven't, the site advertises itself as a place where, quote, beautiful, successful people fuel mutually beneficial relationships. So in other words, it matches wealthy men with young women who are willing to exchange physical and or emotional intimacy for pay, but don't necessarily identify as sex workers. Instead, they're real girls, if you will, students, artists, budding entrepreneurs, Mentorship is listed as a search filter on the site right next to luxury lifestyle and discretion. So you can get an idea of how that works. But that said, plenty of sex workers do also use the site. And what fascinates me about this dynamic is that gray area. In some cases, there might be actual girlfriends and boyfriends with rules and regulations, Or they might be escorts and johns, just like without the official title of those things and connotation. And the core of what I wanted to investigate this week was how sugar babies feel and define themselves regardless of societal opinion. So let's like start with the question of why. Why would somebody want to enter the world of arranged relationships with agreed upon parameters? There are plenty of reasons, but these are the ones that I have found to be the most common. Some women have always wanted to date a rich man, you know, following the encouragement of their mothers and power hungry capitalist Western society as a whole. Many believe that money is the sign of true love, and many believe that money is the new love. And by going through seeking arrangements to do this, access to a man's wallet is guaranteed. Getting wooed by a Wall Street bro from Hinge with dinners at Michelin restaurants and bottles of aged champagne is, of course, lovely, but there's no promise of lavish vacations and Chanel chain strap bags and Cartier love rings and not having to hold your own job down the line. 
and informing partnerships with men who identify as sugar daddies rather than boyfriends, getting spoiled becomes part of the territory and doesn't demand an excess of emotional labor to achieve. In other words, it's a shortcut to a particular lifestyle. And for some men, especially highly successful ones, Dating via an arrangement eliminates a lot of the stress and drama that is perceived to come with traditional relationships. So perhaps they're coming out of a marriage or a long-term relationship in which they felt lonely and unappreciated, or perhaps they've dated or married women who don't understand the work necessary to form a seven-figure bank account and who blow up their phone all day every day. You know, maybe they're just over, like crossing the line from commitment to codependency, which happens in almost all relationships, traditional relationships, you know, been there, done that. They want space and freedom and choice. So instead, maybe they're specifically looking to spend time with a young woman, one who has her own set of interests none of which include babies or a big house in the suburbs or a retirement plan. She's probably at the age where she wants to have fun and assumably wants to have a lot of sex too. And that's all valid. But without the flash of a checkbook, it might be difficult for a man in his 40s or 50s to attract a woman in her 20s, at least at first glance. And by offering an allowance or a luxury lifestyle, it cracks open the door. And then on the opposite end of the spectrum, which is equally as legitimate, some men and women want a transactional, to-the-point relationship Like showing up to the table, knowing what you want and asking for it and then getting it is the name of the game with arranged relationships. This doesn't work with traditional dating. In fact, it's scary. Telling your new partner straight up that you're looking for sex and financial support without destructive emotional repercussions is wildly taboo. I mean, so much of romance is the dance, mystery, evasion, and also trying to look out for that person's emotional well-being. And yes, most of the time, the transaction in question here is sex for money. However, underneath, much of male desire to have sex with younger, hot women is really trying to reclaim lost youth and vigor and power, manliness, for lack of a more eloquent way to put that. And underneath much of the female desire for financial stability is the idea of being cared for and tended to and being able to do the same for a child, even if that latter point is subconscious, at least until you get to a certain age. These are not things that most people are discussing within the rules, quote unquote, of traditional courtship. And so much of that has to do with fear of judgment, 
or what we're told in books and movies and TV and by our parents and our grandparents and our friends and in comparing ourselves to other people's relationships, it's all a big no-no, even though it shouldn't be. Or, you know, like maybe a sugar baby is just looking to make money to start her own business or travel or just better her life, but wants to do it on her own terms without having to rely on anyone. And that has so much merit, regardless of the reason to want a sugar relationship. In truth, they're all valid. And the overwhelming majority of them are more honest than, quote unquote, real relationships. So with that steps off soapbox, let's get into our anonymous submissions, shall we? Submission number one. My foray into the sugar baby world was a painful breakup. At 28, I had been dumped by my boyfriend of a year after his Southern conservative parents made it clear to him that I wasn't a good fit for his family because I wasn't religious enough. I'm still proud of my restraint from telling his mother that her precious eldest son liked ass play. I was blindsided and spent a couple months in a dark place. When I was ready to start dating again, I told myself I would be open-minded about who I dated. I signed up for all the usual dating apps and also, on a whim, seeking arrangements. I had spent most of my 20s dating and banging rich men for free and thought I could use the extra income to finance all the bachelorettes and weddings I would be attending that summer by myself. A side note, I work in finance and was financially independent by 24. At the time, I lived in a one-bedroom apartment in a desirable NYC neighborhood by myself. Did I need the money? No. Did the idea of secretly funding all the weddings I had the next year on income from dating men while my friends committed to one dick for life thrill me a little? (laughs) You bet. My first arrangement was with a couple. I had never had a threesome before, and the idea of being the third was low pressure. You only live once. It helped that they were shockingly attractive people. I had never dated a woman before, but Stacy was the first woman I met that piqued my interest. She was the one with the power in the relationship, and it was hot. They had a townhouse in the city and a place upstate and were a lot of fun. Our arrangement ended when their relationship ended. David asked if I wanted to continue, but I politely told him if I had to choose, I would rather choose Stacy. My second arrangement is what I imagine most of them turn out like not good. I was the New York girlfriend of a foreign film producer. He also had girlfriends in Berlin, LA, and Moscow. This was the first red flag I ignored. I didn't care about not being exclusive, but I misinterpreted how the multiple girlfriends catered to his neediness. He wasn't attractive, but also not gross, the type of person you don't register in a crowd. However, he was incredibly charming, entertaining, and offered to pay my rent for seeing him the two to three trips a month he was in NYC. These traits can get you through sex with someone for a while. He took me to Cannes and then Provence for my 29th birthday, and I attended the Omfar Gala. I was clearly either his favorite at the time or the most impressive to introduce to celebrities and his work contacts. Here's a good story. Sean Penn and Charlize Theron had just broken up, but still had to promote their film at Cannes. Sean couldn't understand why everyone eventually hated him. 
He ranted to my sugar daddy for five minutes straight before turning to acknowledge me, asking who I was and if I could keep my mouth shut. He's a real treat. This sugar daddy liked that I was smart and ambitious and didn't need his money. I think he respected me more for it. Our arrangement ended when he got too demanding of my time and frustrated with the fact that I wasn't as flexible as somebody who didn't have a full-time job. Most successful men say they want an independent woman, but the reality of a woman who can't constantly drop everything for them does not actually work with their travel and lifestyle. The entire time I was working as a sugar baby, I was also trying to juggle what I compartmentalized as real dating. I never told any of my friends that I was a sugar baby, and I never differentiated between the two when I talked with my friends about dating and men. I was making a lot of fun money and no longer had to think twice about ordering another round of cocktails for friends or taking an Uber home. After the film producer ended, I set up another seeking arrangement date with a man named John. Within 20 minutes, I felt comfortable enough with him that I told him my real name. By the end of it, I knew I liked him more than I should and wanted to actually date him. By the end of our second date, I had enough cocktails to confess this to him. I could tell he was relieved and felt the same way. John had been separated from his second wife for a year. The divorce was taking a long time due to dividing the assets. He had never been in an arrangement before, but his self-esteem had taken a beating and he was convinced he could never make a woman happy if there wasn't something explicitly benefiting her. John is no Brad Pitt, but he's fit, decently tall, and has a good head of hair. I knew John was different a couple months into dating. I met his daughter early on and fell in love with her too. By six months, I had practically moved into his place. We got engaged after three years of dating and are finally getting married this fall. Only a couple of friends know the real story of how we met, including the friend who is officiating our wedding. John on paper is everything I avoided on the dating apps. Divorced twice, young child, more than 10 years my senior, etc. He wasn't the tallest or best looking man I had ever dated. None of these things ultimately meant anything to me. He was genuinely kind. He was generous with his time and money. He was curious and asked about my friends and family. He made an effort in our relationship and made me feel appreciated. He made sure I came first in bed. He was a phenomenal father. Being able to witness how your partner is as a parent before you're committed to them is such a gift. I don't regret any of my experiences as a sugar baby because it ultimately led me to my partner. But the stigma around being one does upset me. Why is it considered trashy if you're poor and more acceptable if you're rich? I don't feel that way, but I know that's many people's perspective. I have friends who sleep with many men in pursuit of dating, but scoff at the idea of sex workers. The hypocrisy makes me cringe. I never considered myself an escort at the time, but in hindsight, there's little difference. Submission number two. It all started when I was working as an executive assistant on Wall Street four years ago. I hated my job. I was so bored. At that time, I also hated guys because I had just ended a horrible two-year relationship. My ex pretty much tried to kill me and sent me to the hospital seven times. So I signed up on seeking arrangements and would meet guys for drinks after work. I would ask them $300 per date just for a drink. As relationships evolved pretty quickly, I got offered a lot more for intimate moments. 
so much money that I quit my nine to five. I think I liked the idea of taking guys' money. It felt like revenge because my ex took everything from me. I don't discuss prices up front because it all depends on the person. If there's no chemistry, I'm going home. If there is chemistry and we like each other, then I'll bring up the subject. Some guys prefer to pay per meet. Some guys prefer a monthly so it feels less transactional. For a pay per meet, it's usually one to two thousand dollars, sometimes a lot more. A few of the guys I met were billionaires, so money wasn't a problem. Dates were anything from long conversations about politics to partying all night in a club to a fancy dinner to a weekend in the Hamptons. I've gotten pretty lucky and never had a bad experience. Or maybe I forgot about them. I always meet for drinks or dinner in a public space. I can also sense red flags via text prior to our first meeting, such as too much texting, grammatical mistakes, asking too many personal questions, and not respecting boundaries. In that case, I immediately block the number. After our first date, I always go home alone. If there's a second date and we like each other, we can talk about details and move forward. I met some amazing people that I call my friends now. All the sugar daddies I had, they all just wanted to have fun and forget their problems. Some of the problems I heard about were being bored at home, their wife doesn't pay attention to them, the passion is gone, no more sex in their marriage. It could also be that they're miserable at work or straight up depressed with life as a whole. I had a guy who just lost his wife to cancer and all he did was cry, so I took his hand and didn't say a word for three hours. He left feeling a little better, I hope. There are a lot of single guys on seeking arrangements too, who just have no time for regular dating but still want a connection. A sugar baby won't blow up his phone like a normal girlfriend would. That's part of the rules. And I had the best sex. Way better than in normal relationships. I definitely pushed my boundaries with BDSM, etc. If it wasn't for SA, I would have never ended up trying that. I have so many wild stories. One guy wanted me to attach him to the bed while I was out partying with my friends. I did it. I came back seven hours later, detached him, and he gave me $5,000. That was the whole date. Another guy wanted me to dress him up like a doll. Makeup, hair, everything. He gave me $2,000. That was also the whole date. Then I was seeing someone who had a private jet, so every weekend we would go to St. Bart's, etc. He got me an apartment at the Plaza Hotel so he could see me more often. But I ended the whole thing when I found out that he lived in the same building with his wife. He obviously forgot to mention that part. But it lasted for a good six months. And then there was another guy who just wanted to clean my house and do my groceries. He gave me a bunch of money, too. I'm still not comfortable using the word escort instead of sugar baby. After all, I pick my guys, I call them my friends, and it's often not even sexual. But we all know that it's transactional, even if it's a monthly deposit. There are ways to make it feel less transactional, but the bottom line is, if the guy is broke, we won't be talking. Very few people in my life know. My mom knows that I go on paid dates from time to time, but I do also have a job. I'm a personal assistant part-time now. People don't ask me questions. If they do, I'm a personal assistant. I definitely can't date regularly. 
and I definitely feel ashamed and I know I could do better. I took some online classes during quarantine and I'm hoping to hop back on the nine to five wagon before the end of the year. But it's hard to get out. The money is great. I make my own schedule and it doesn't feel like work. Submission number three. I first became interested in the idea of being a sugar baby as a way to sustain and enhance a lifestyle that I'd become used to. I had a privileged upbringing, went to an elite university, and enjoyed all the trappings that come along with it. As college was ending, I found myself on the precipice of the real world and being truly on my own for the first time in a financial sense. So I joined Seeking Arrangements. I initially had conversations going on with several daddies across the U.S., but I realized I was uncomfortable traveling to meet someone for safety reasons. I was keeping this endeavor secret from my friends and family, so it was easier to say I was going on a date in my town versus explain why the fuck I was in Miami for no reason. Once I narrowed down, I went to casual lunch with a few men. Most of them were looking for a younger, vivacious woman to accompany them through life in a way they were not able to find with older women. Whether this be the freedom that comes from a young woman without children, the assumed sex drive of a young woman, or the easy pleasure that comes with giving presents. When I found the one, it was a mixture of chemistry, respect, and mutual desire. He wanted to be discreet as I did. Our dates would be as upscale or casual as I wanted. He truly let me set the boundaries of the relationship. Beyond that, he was charismatic, respectful, and came with the receipts of his accomplishments and bank account. Some months we couldn't see each other. Some months we were together for 10 days or more. My base allowance was $2,000 a month. And when all the gifts, perks, and random cash transfers were included, it was more like five to $7,000 a month easily. But it never felt transactional. And the sex was great. I held out for quite some time, but once we started a truly sexual relationship, it was better than expected. He was more concerned with my pleasure versus his own. He expanded my own horizons as far as bringing heavy-duty sex toys into the bedroom. I was never exposed to that because I don't think my environment in Texas was fostering of that exploration. It's still quite taboo to talk about your sex life openly in many social circles, let alone your kinks and desires. The guys I was hooking up with barely knew how to properly go down on me for more than 60 seconds, so adding in sex toys was completely out of the question. I always wanted to be more adventurous, but didn't have the language or confidence to really ask for it. So when my sugar daddy brought it up as a suggestion, I pounced at the opportunity. I think he found it exciting to be the first to show me certain things and teach me all the things those college boys couldn't dream of doing. And you know what? He was right. I had access to his open tabs at several high-end retailers, airline miles, paid gym and studio memberships, instant money transfers if even the slightest thing went wrong in my day. All of this beyond our agreed arrangement. I was taken on private yacht days and flew business class. And he booked a 10-day trip to Four Seasons in Maui for my grandmother and I. How I convinced her I won the trip will always make me laugh. At a certain point, it was obvious what was going on to my close friends, but they had no judgment. He even met some of them. But my family never found out, and to my knowledge, still have no clue. 
I had two crazy experiences. I ran into my ex in a different city on New Year's Eve on a solo dinner date with my much older sugar daddy and had to explain that it was my uncle. It was daddy's idea, not mine. And again, I can't believe that it actually worked. Second, after a few months of our arrangement, I connected the dots and realized an older girl from my university was this daddy's previous sugar baby. We laugh about it now when we see each other. I think being a sugar baby falls under the umbrella of sex work and closely mirrors an escort. At the end of the day, I was getting paid for my time in companionship. But I have no regrets. It was an amazing experience and I consider myself lucky. I know it's pretty rare to 110% enjoy the person you're with. I ended up moving away for a job and it became too complicated. No hard feelings whatsoever. We had a great run and I still consider him a friend. We check in with each other once or twice a year. I actually wrote his daughter a recommendation for my sorority and he's one of the references for my job interviews. It never felt like work to me. But I guess that's what happens when you're doing what you love. Submission number four. I was 18 at uni and desperate for a job. One night, I randomly met this girl who told me the bar where she worked was in need of staff. I went there the next day. The boss took me in on a whim. I had absolutely no experience, but I like to think I've always been quite mature for my age and pretty charming. Time went by and I started to become friends with that boss. Other staff warned me of affairs he'd had in the past with younger women, but I brushed it off. Soon I became very close with him, to the point where he took me to lunch or dinner about three to four times a week. The other staff started to resent me, and slowly they started to leave, so he made me the manager. He treated me like an adult and really respected me, which I liked because I'd never had that. I had a boyfriend, and my boss was always saying my boyfriend wasn't enough for me. Eventually I broke up with him, and I genuinely think a lot of it came down to my boss's influence. Then I was single, and this is where the money comes in. He was spending a few hundred a week on taking me out, but now I was finding large deposits of money in my account if he knew I was tight for cash. One time he bought me a designer bag because he noticed my old one was fraying. I enjoyed his company, and I honestly think he was just really lonely. But he started to get me quite drunk when we went out, and would say weird things and get too close. Then one night, we had sex. I didn't remember it, and he said he didn't either, but then joked it was on the security cameras at work. I got super uncomfortable with this, and I completely backed off from him, calling in sick for work most days. Eventually, someone at my work outright accused me of having an affair with him, saying they were going to tell his wife. I was so upset that I quit. A few days later, I got a call from my credit card company. He had called them to try and pay off what I had outstanding, and they needed my authority. I declined. He paid me and my rent for about eight months after I left, and the whole two years I worked there, he paid me about triple what I was actually working for, plus rent and even furnished my house. After quitting, on my birthdays, I'd still find extravagant gifts and jewelry at my door. I always felt so guilty and in debt to him, but he said he wanted to look after me. It made me spend more time with him to repay him in a way. Keep in mind, I got to 19 and he was in his mid-40s. 
Honestly, it was really toxic and it fucked with my head. He gaslit me so much and is the only reason I know the meaning of that term. I resented him for having such a big place in my life. I'm in a happy relationship now and very far away from him, but I still think about it and the whole situation still shocks me. If I'm honest, this is the first time I've admitted to having sex with him. Probably because I still can't admit it to myself. Back in 2015, one of my very best friends told me they had started going on dates with guys for money. And the concept to me at that time kind of pleasantly shocked me. I was like, oh, that's a thing with guys who are under 40? Really? <laughs> like, I couldn't believe it. I didn't really get involved with it until I went through a really bad breakup about two years later, and then I decided to give it a try. So I downloaded the infamous Seeking Arrangements app, and I'm embarrassed these days to say that I set the bar pretty low at the time for who I considered to be a sugar daddy. But what really fueled my desire to do this was the money. So... Uh, for some reason, I feel like I didn't have as many options. I, I don't know. Like I just, I didn't have as much room for negotiation. I felt like, um, and I was 22, freshly single. I just, I felt like I had the whole world in my hand. And as far as the guys on there, you know, some are definitely just fucking creepy and easy to stay far away from. And some are really blunt about what they want and what they're willing to provide, which, you know, is more transactional. And that's really the type that I felt most drawn to because I just wasn't interested in acting like a girlfriend or moving in with anyone, um, going on trips or anything like that, um, or even using my real name. I went by Katya. And for the two years that I was Katya, I had six sugar daddies that ranged from age 24 to age 60. And I estimate that I made about $10,000 in cash. I only ever accepted cash. Um, you know, I really didn't do gifts as a form of payment, um, but I did get a few other unsolicited gifts along the way. I think my favorite was a book actually about roadside zoos and drugs in the 70s. And that came from a pretty quirky sugar daddy that I had, but it, it was a really good book. Actually, I'd still have it. And, um, I think I might actually read it for an upcoming book club. So thanks sugar daddy. Um, but other than that, you know, there were a lot of drinks and dinners along the way too, but other than that, it was just cash and I decided what I wanted to do with the cash. So in retrospect, I consider myself more of a sex worker because of how transactional that I wanted things to be. Um, and I could have seen myself becoming friends with a guy if we really got along enough, but never to the point where we use labels like girlfriend or boyfriend. And I didn't ever think of myself as a prostitute because I was doing other things with the guys before and after sex. Maybe it's naive and idiotic for me to say this, but I feel like prostitution is strictly sex without any other kind of activities involved. And I felt more like an escort. I felt like an entertainer and arm candy at times. And it just it kind of felt like going on dates where the onset expectation was that the night would end with sex and payment. <laughs> so back when I first started doing this, um, I charged $250 per meetup. 
And my very first sugar daddy was a real estate guy that would take me to the houses that he was showing or renovating to fuck in like the empty bedrooms or like, you know, the bedrooms with the stage furniture. But he was a genuinely nice guy. I was working a really shitty job at the time and I finally got the nerve to quit it and he got me two dozen roses to celebrate and like a fuckload of sushi. So he was actually really nice. And after him was a guy that was actually only a couple years older than I was. Um, and I think he had kind of like hit it big in some sort of tech role and he was actually really cute. Um, he was Russian, um, a little awkward, but he would take us out to fancy dinners and beautiful hotel rooms in the city. And yeah, I really liked him too. Um, but I would say that most of my sugar daddies were in their forties, stuck in a midlife crisis, lonely and or horny type profile. The oldest guy that I went on dates with was 60 and him and I would just get high and go to dinner. (laughs) Um, I remember like waiting in the lobby of his building for him to come down and just like thinking in my head, what the hell does a doorman at this place think of me? Like this 20 something year old woman meeting this old ass guy, like what is going on here? But he was, he was pretty nice too. He tried to get me a job, um, and an apartment with the help of two other female friends that were like more so his age. And again, I was just thinking in my head, like, what the hell do they think about me? (laughs) Do they know what's going on here? Um, or is this just like an open secret? I don't really know. Um, but then that said guy tried to very covertly get my social security number, which yeah, not cool. Of course. Um, and I didn't give it to him. Um, but that was just such a huge red flag for me. It gave me so much anxiety in that moment that I faked being sick to get myself home. I remember he gave me Pepto-Bismol before I left and I was in the Uber on the way home blocking his number. And I just remember like asking the Uber driver to pull over so I could just vomit pink everywhere. And that was the end of that guy. Um, but I still live in the city where him and I met and every now and then I'll see his, his building in the skyline and just cringe to myself and think of Pepto-Bismol. Um, but he wasn't even the worst experience I ever had. That was with a guy who was in his thirties. Um, he actually raped me, um, and started not paying me the amount that we had agreed to, Um, it took me the longest time to actually acknowledge that he had raped me because I felt that I had been putting myself willingly into these situations. So I felt for the longest time responsible for anything that happened to me in those situations. When I confronted him about it, um, his reaction was giving me three guesses as to what he did to earn his money. And they were drug trafficking, weapons manufacturing and being a hitman. So after that evening, I cut off all possible contact with him and I was just so paranoid about him or one of his associates finding me that I moved apartments. But, you know, in retrospect, I I kind of shock myself when I say that I don't regret my choices 
as a sugar baby. I mean, outside of the bad and scary moments, I did meet some really nice guys that I genuinely enjoyed spending time with. You know, the sex was never great. I never expected it to be. And most times I was just laying there envisioning the nose job that I always wanted and eventually got um, and paid for with my sugar baby funds. So it felt empowering in that regard. And after all was said and done with being a sugar baby, I came clean about it to a lot of people in my life, including my current boyfriend. In fact, I actually ended my sugar baby era because of my current boyfriend. um, And I don't regret that either. And when that time came to end everything, I just sent everybody a text letting them know it was over. They were all pretty understanding about it, but I blocked everybody's numbers after that for good measure. And that was that. There was nothing really that led me into the world of being a sugar baby. I grew up pretty well off in a suburb of a major city. I was in college and pretty much just bored, and that's what got me into it. I had a couple of sugar daddies from seeking arrangements, and those were all like fine experiences. Never was like concerned for my safety or like afraid or anything like that. But my most like thorough sugar daddy experience, I met him by chance, actually. It was last summer during COVID. Obviously, everything in the city that I live was shut down. You couldn't go out. You couldn't do anything. And so I would spend weekends at my friend's house because they had this giant deck on the back of their house. And we would tan out there. And behind it, they were building this like massive condo development. And this man would come by pretty much every day to show off, to show the condos, to get people to buy them. One day I like realized that this man was like very, very attractive. And so I waved and he waved back the next day. Like after I waved to him, I decided like, fuck it. I'm just going to like say hi tomorrow. And that's when I noticed that he like was, (laughs) he drove a Lamborghini truck. Like when I went to go talk to him, I was like, oh, okay. This man has money. And this is after my initial sugar baby experiences, I was like 20 years old and now I'm 24. So like, I haven't like done anything like this in a few years. I'm like, Hey, what's your name? He tells me his name. I tell him my name and turns into this whole conversation, like very flirty. I think it was maybe like a couple of days later, he comes back. It's like a rainy day. I was up really early that morning and I had like worked out and I was like, eating or like drinking coffee on the deck and like reading a book or something. And he pulls up and I look down and he's holding up this like real estate sign like that has his name and his phone number on it. And and I was like, oh, that's for me. And he's like, yeah. So that's how it started. And then I went on a first date with him that week. We got like drinks or we got dinner and then we went back to his for a nightcap, aka great sex. It was definitely the best sex I've ever had in my life. I still stand by that. Our dates prior to that were just like, were mostly like dinners or brunch or meals. He never like actually took me shopping. He kind of would just like ask me like, what are you looking for? Or like, is there anything that you've really wanted recently? Et cetera, et cetera. And at first I was kind of like very coy about it. I was like, I don't know. Like, I think I'm pretty good. Like I like my job and I'm like saving a lot of money because of COVID. Like, I don't know. I don't know. And then he like would ask every time we hung out, which is probably like every, like, I don't know, other week, but he bought me a, Cartier ring. That's definitely the most lavish 
gift I've gotten. And the other guys just gave me money, but this guy only gave me gifts or like experiences. It was never cash, which I think I actually preferred because it, I don't know, felt less transactional and more like, Ooh, he's just giving me a gift because he likes me. Not that like I actually thought he liked me. I don't know. It kind of fizzled out as the fall started. I was moving and like kind of just didn't have time for him. He didn't really have time for me. Like was trying to close on the, on the condos. There was no like bad blood or anything like that, but he like popped back up into my life recently when he followed me on Instagram at the beginning of the summer. I was just like, Oh my gosh, this is so-and-so. Holy shit. He texted me one night and was like clearly like pretty fucked up, but was like, I'm with a friend. Like, what are you doing? Clearly like wanted me to have a threesome. He always asked me to have threesome while we were like having our thing last summer but I definitely had like a bit of a crush on him so I didn't really feel like sharing him if that makes any sense it was just kind of like one of those things where I was like feeling a little bit possessive he invited me on a yacht which I obviously went on and it was insane because I met like four or five of his other sugar babies and just like got the lowdown on their experiences with them. He brought one of them to like a sex party. He like really spent like one of them like really is like his main thing right now. And she like clearly gets like a little bit jealous of like the other girls because she did not enjoy the boating experience. I would definitely say that I found it less transactional just because he only gave me gifts, but my, in my initial experiences a few years ago, those were definitely like very transactional because it was obviously like being paid with cash. Even though I only had sex with one of those guys, it just felt more transactional. And I would definitely say that I define it as uh, sex work. I did kind of juggle with that title when I was 20 years old, but now I find it like very empowering and it doesn't make me feel like any type of way just because I don't know, I guess the connotation of sex work has like changed so much with like OnlyFans and stuff. It's definitely been fun. I have no regrets about it. And it kind of is like who I date these days, just like older guys that tend to have money. I am 25. I started sugar dating when I was 22 and I only did it for about two years and frankly that was enough to fund a really good lifestyle for me. What led me to sugar dating was a funny story actually I was on tinder and I always knew I wanted to be with someone who was well off and not even well off let's be real I wanted to be someone who is rich as fuck I actually matched with the creator of seeking arrangements his name is Brandon and he did small talks complimented me, whatever, said I was beautiful, and he suggested that I open a seeking arrangement account. It might have been a way to promote his business, which I guess is smart. And I was one of those people that fell into the bait. After a lot of sorting and messaging, FaceTime calls, I found a person who I thought was pretty cute. He was married and his wife knew he was on the website. She was okay with it. 
and he also had two girlfriends which his wife knew about and his girlfriends were pretty jealous of me because I was you know it was a weird situation because I wasn't his wife. I wasn't his girlfriend. I was just someone he was dating. This guy, I don't know exactly what he did, but he worked with some of the biggest celebrities and high-profile people in the world, including a former president, people like Jay-Z, huge people in the industry. The first time we met, we met at a very upscale, swanky bar. We had some drinks, and he was really into me. The day after we first met, he flew me out on his private jet to Vegas, and I was young and crazy enough to go for it, so we get on his private jet, stuff happened, shit was crazy. I am definitely in the Mile High Club now. We ended up at a strip club, and I find, you know, I'm into men, but I find women to be insanely gorgeous and hot. And I saw a stripper that night that I was really into, and I asked him, hey, can we take this stripper home? Like, she is fucking hot. So we take her home. He paid for her, obviously, and we're at his hotel room. There is probably like eight or nine girls, including me, and just him. So we have this huge orgy. It was super fun. So he bought me a plane ticket to my hometown and sent me home with uh, like 7000 in cash. You know, I was so curious as to why he was looking for something else when he had two super hot girlfriends and a wife and kids. And he basically just said that he just likes to have fun. Like, there's nothing wrong with his marriage. There's nothing wrong with his girlfriends. He just is a man who likes variety and likes to have fun, which sounds a little bit insane if you like monogamous relationship, but it also makes sense. I mean, we're not made to fucking be with one person forever. So it basically just ended and it wasn't even like we didn't end off on bad terms. We are still friends. I'll message him or he'll FaceTime me every once in a while just to see how I'm doing. I moved to LA and I actually met someone who was a little bit closer to my age, also very well off, but not a sugar daddy and went into a relationship. And that's kind of how I drifted apart. I wouldn't at all say I was a sex worker. I mean, I think that in certain relationships, you given you get. And in this case, he gave me good experiences, experiences that I would never experience with anyone else. And, and in return, I gave him, you know, company. I was a fun time and we had really good sex. I wouldn't encourage people to go into the lifestyle thinking everyone is like this or you're going to meet a guy like this, but I would say I definitely had a positive experience.
I had moved to New York City to attend college. And a friend of mine that I had, you know, had sex with from Grindr that I had known for three years told me he was coming to the city. And I was like, oh, cool. I was like, let's, you know, must definitely hang out. You know, I haven't seen you in a while. And we also haven't had sex in a while. But that's besides the point. He's like, no, I'm coming to see a guy. And I was like, oh, I was like, you know, I'm so glad, you know, you're happy. You found somebody. And he goes, no, no, no. He's paying me to come up there. And he's like, he wants me to bring new boys. And I was like, um, I don't know what you're talking about, honey, because I am from the backwoods of North Carolina and I've never heard of this. I do not know what you're talking about. Fast forward to November. He's like still, you know, barking at my tree. He's like, come, come do this with me. Come do this with me. You won't regret it. You won't regret it. So I go do it and meet this gentleman and very kind, wonderful evening, but it wasn't really, um, it was more sex work than it was being a sugar baby the first time. So that happens. Night's over, leave, go home. And I thought it was done. Well, my friend reaches back out to me and he's like, he had a really wonderful time with you and he wants to see you again. And I was like, oh, I was like, I don't know if I'm really up to this because I don't know how I really feel about it. But you know, when you're broke, you're broke and you will literally do anything. So I was like, tell him to come back to the city and I will do it again. And he goes, well, he just wants it to be you and him. And I'm like, no, ma'am. I was like, the only reason I could like fully function and stay hard was because you were there. There's no way in hell I can fuck a grandpa that has grandkids that are the same age as me. Like, no, ma'am, I can't do this. But he comes back. We meet. We have a Viagra. And I get the job done. And then it's like only like an hour and a half I was with him. And he hands me just a grand. And I'm like, I'm like, what did I do to deserve this? I was like, what are you holding over me? Like, is there any strings attached? And he's like, no. He was just like here. And he's like, I'll be back next month to see you. And I never really like looked for other ones. I was like, okay, you want to come every month and see me and give me, a, you know, a thousand dollars. I will perfectly, you know do this. I do not care. And this man was so nice. Like he always asked about like how my school was, like how this was. And I'm like, Oh my God, thank you so much. And like, so for this day, I do not know his real name because he went by a fake name because apparently he was like really involved in like the military. He really disliked to reminisce in his older, like not older days, but younger days when he was like serving in the war and he would like tell me war stories. And I'm like, Oh, like, that's, you know, cute. Like, I love hearing about war and blood. You know, like, yay, go America. This is what was crazy. Is he called me his master. Because this was his kink. He was like, I'm your bitch and you're my master. And I'm like, okay. I was like, I, I am not comfortable with this, but it is what it is. And, you know, that's what I had to do to, you know, get my $1,000. Sex with this man. He literally just lays there and that's it. Like, it was, it's so bad. It was so bad. I'm, like, telling him, I'm, like, I'm, like, you got to put porn on. I was, like, I cannot do this without porn. So, then we're, like, watching porn, and I'm just, like, oh, my God, this is, like, utter hell. Like, if it wasn't for this Viagra, like, I literally could not stay hard. But, you know, again, you do what you got to do when you're a broke bitch. He's a, he's a character. He is a character. Because then, fast forward, like, we've been doing this for a while, and he's, like, I want you to start flying out. And I'm like, uh, okay. And I'm like, where am I flying out to? So I would fly 45 minutes out of the city 
and we would fuck and I would fly back the same day. He would cover it. And mind you, the tickets for $500 and this man would cover it plus give me a thousand K plus give me whatever like my Uber was. And then he'd give me like a little bonus. But then this is what's crazy is it was my fucking birthday. And this gentleman, this gentleman was like, I gave you something a little extra. And I opened up this card that he had wrote. He's like, I love you. Yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, okay, wherever, where's the money? He gave me $50. And I'm like, this is a bonus from a thousand dollars. No, ma'am. I'm like, I'm sorry. This is just like, you're cheating me here, but it is what it is. Okay. This is the craziest experience. And this is also how it ended with the sugar daddy. So the craziest experience was this man had an alcohol problem and I did not know that. So we would drink a little bit before we, you know, we would do the like sex and he would always drink a bottle of wine and then I would have gray goose. Well, this was the last time we met and (laughs) I almost killed this man because he didn't tell me he couldn't have hard liquor. And I gave him, I was giving him everything like gray goose, like tequila, like everything. And he, um, let's just say he blacked out. He was like choking in his sleep because this was the one time I was like, okay, I'll stay the night with this gentleman. No, he was choking in his sleep. And I'm like standing there watching this man do this, like thinking like, oh my God, I'm going to be arrested for murder because I'm watching this man die. And I'm the one that gave him this alcohol. He's laying there choking. I thought he's going to meet Jesus, but he didn't. Cause I, well, I mean, he's choking and I just went to bed and then I wake up the next morning. I'm like, you know, if he's still alive, he's still alive. And thank God he was still alive. But then we leave. He dropped me off at the airport, you know, exchange our goodbyes. And I get a text the next day because like, he also hadn't been feeling well. And he texts me and he's like, Hey, just want to let you know, I have colon cancer. He is like, this is my third time with it. I will not be uh, continuing seeing you or any other boys. And I'm like, oh, just like that. You're going to drop me because of colon cancer. But it is what it is. Hopefully he's okay because he was supposed to have surgery. But who cares? You know, I just lost $1,000 because of colon cancer. Doing this, you know, little, like, sugar baby escort thing, I don't have any regrets. Like, am I actively going to be looking for, like, a new, like, sugar daddy or somebody just to pay me to fuck them or let them, you know, use my booty hole? No. But if it comes, like, and falls in my lap, yes. But, yeah, no, I'm not really going to be looking for anybody. But, yeah. Listen, ladies, gays, theys, thems. Anybody that's listening, if an opportunity like this falls in your lap, run with it. Just be nice to them. Tell them they're beautiful. Listen to their troubles. Listen to their worries. And get the bag. Get the bag, sis. That is it. So what led me and my friends into this world was a trip to Paris. We didn't actively seek out finding a sugar daddy. It did just kind of happen to us. We basically went to a club and met some American girls there. We were around 17, 18, and I think these girls, I believe, were kind of early 20s at the time. And they mentioned that they were here with this older gentleman. They invited us into their table at the club, and they all invited us back to their hotel room. We didn't go. And then around a week or so later, back at home... 
my friend was still kind of chatting to him, texting, and he sent her £500 on PayPal out of nowhere. And this was completely beyond anything that we had even heard of. And all basically hopped on board immediately, started texting him, and were all sent £500 almost immediately. A few months went by, basically, of him sending us money on PayPal or from uh, gift vouchers for Net-A-Porter because we basically kept running into issues with the fact that PayPal is... I've, I believe for over 18s, they kept shutting ours down for the amounts that would be, were being sent through. And then early that year, after a few months had gone by, he invited us to London. We met him in the hotel lobby. He took us almost immediately. We went up to the room and then he took us straight out to Selfridges, bought us each a pair of lubes. We went to a club that night and when we got back, my friend and I were very drunk and we kind of went on this trip very much, you know, we wanted the stuff and we wanted to keep our wits about us, but we didn't. And I was very drunk and he then basically tried to kind of you know, kiss me. And I, f- I feel like that's kind of where I drew the line for us. I mean, I was 17 and I hadn't even had sex, so it was not ever really something I intended on doing. We were all quite pleased with the fact that at this point we were basically getting something for nothing. And I don't, well, none of us had the intention to do so. My friend actually had a boyfriend when she went. Nothing happened. It was a very brief kiss, kind of stopped it, laughed about it, and then went to bed. And when I woke up the next day, I felt pretty disgusted with myself I have to say he's he was a really nice guy like he kept you know checking in on me and could tell that I don't think I was really that into it at that point this was also the first night he'd ever really spoke about his wife and children and stuff we went to dinner and he the the previous night we went to dinner and he kind of told us about his wife and basically the fact that they were just unhappy and I feel like that's why he obviously was seeking this out with all of us in that it's quite easy for him to just give girls all these things and basically have that kind of companionship the the Saturday we went out and we got we all had like designer bags bought for us purses I got a Chanel purse my friend got a Prada bag and purse. We went to Louis Vuitton. iPhones. He noticed that my friend's iPhone was smashed. So he got us iPhones too. And we basically had this thousands of pounds worth of stuff. We got back to the hotel and then it all just kind of started to settle in for me. I was a bit like, he tried it last night. We've now gone out and got all of these things bought for us. And basically, we're crazy if we think this is it. It was just, you know, starting to kind of panic internally a bit. And my friend was noticing and she was like, "Okay, so what do you want to do? I told her I basically wanted to leave. I wasn't really feeling it. I said I would be happy to leave all the stuff. But just like, we're crazy if we think we're staying here. And he's like, not going to try something or expect something tonight. And that was worrying me. So she told me and my friend to go out on the balcony and that basically she was going to sort something. So I was like, okay. We went to the balcony. We were taking in this amazing view, you know, Big Ben, the London Eye. It was such a fantastic room. And the entire room was, from the balcony, was all made of glass. So you could see his bedroom, the living room and our bedroom at the back. Basically, out of nowhere, my friend came 
tearing out of the room. She deserves an Oscar for her performance. And she came tearing out the room in tears. She said her granddad had died and she needed to leave. And that basically, you know, we couldn't have her go home an hour and a half on the train herself and leave. David came around the corner, was being really comforting, really nice. I don't know. I don't know if he really kind of um, suspected it at the time. I know afterwards he he did suggest it to one of my friends that perhaps like was this all genuine we you know we offered to keep all the stuff there he said don't be stupid and we took all of our things and basically quite sheepishly left and then after that he paid for two trips we went to paris which he paid for the hotel and kind of spending money and things and he didn't join us he pushed the idea but we always just kind of played it off as that we wanted a girl's trip and then a day later we went to Cancun as well myself Paige and Holly he he suggested also coming to Cancun with us too but we I don't know how we swung it but basically said that again we wanted a girl's trip and didn't really want him coming nobody ever slept with him I feel like he must have just enjoyed the fact that we were interested in kind of texting him, basically, and replying to him and keeping him company somehow. What led me to this world was I had friends that used seeking arrangements and basically was just a way to make a lot of extra money and have some kind of sexual experiences that they normally wouldn't. I'm bisexual, so for me, it kind of felt like I get to have my girlfriend and have a happy life in the queer world, but then also make money off of rich men who had an endless supply. (laughs) I found my daddies on seeking arrangements mainly, and then one of them actually from a bar that I was working at. Going through seeking arrangements is kind of a scary task because you're you know trying to find out which one of these guys are complete creeps um which ones are pathetic and just gonna be completely miserable to hang out with and originally i was very much like a ppm i think they call it like pay per meet i didn't really want to have a long full-time thing because i was busy i had my real job and family and friends to go see and stuff like that and I couldn't be you know thinking about trying to meet up with a guy once or twice a week I was much more about you know making a thousand dollars to spend a Thursday night with somebody and then maybe not see them again I had never had like a great great sexual experience with any of them until the man that I'm with still to this day and I think that's kind of what ultimately led me to be okay with being with him long term the first time we had sex it was really really amazing and you know he made me cub multiple times and he just actually was you know paying attention to my body and what I wanted it wasn't just like all right here you're in my room for two hours let's have sex and then you go and it was actually the first time too that I while having dinner with him and getting to know him um wasn't drinking excessive amounts of wine and, you know, trying to get drunk before I went up to his room with him. It was very much like I was very happy just to get to know him and was very interested in his work and what he did and his life and where he was from and stuff like that. We have definitely formed our relationship into more of a a real thing. He's met 
my family members, some of them, not my parents, of course, but, um, you know, my siblings know about him. He's met my cousin, my roommates, some of my friends, and they all really love him. And we've turned it into a relationship, like an actual real relationship. It's weird calling him my boyfriend because he's 25 years older than me. But in the end, you know, like when you meet somebody that just happens to be so similar to you and you get along great, you know, he's divorced. He doesn't have any children. Um, he lives close by. He takes wonderful care of me. We have wonderful sex. We have so many similarities. It's like, why discount that just because you met him on seeking arrangements? It just doesn't seem smart for me to have done that. It started off very much as a, you know, let's hang out. I would always ask anywhere between 800 to to $1,000 per meet. Um, the first few times he was giving me more than that, like just as a gift at the end. Once it turned into more of a, a full-time thing, then it went to about eight grand a month is what he was giving me. I guess the most lavish thing that he ever did was he paid off all of my credit card debt for me and one in one evening, we were talking about it over dinner and he just was like, yeah, let's do it. So, you know, $30,000 in credit card debt gone in one day. It was like the biggest weight lifted off my shoulder. And I felt like I was able to breathe again and like really start to work on my finances. Once we both got COVID, we quarantined together and uh, that was amazing. You know, spending two weeks together, you'd think you'd get so sick of someone, but you don't. I didn't. And right after that, we ended up like going and spending a whole month in Cabo and, you know, the most beautiful hotel room I've ever been in and just absolute beautiful resort. We went to Hawaii for a month. And then just this past like two months ago, we went to Greece for a month and just traveled around the Greek islands, which is a trip that I've always really wanted to do. So that was kind of like an amazing thing for me. One thing that we do really bond on as well is um, threesomes. I'm bisexual. He was always really into like the sex club scene, all that kind of stuff during his day. And um, so being able to have threesomes, like we'll go on essay together and on like kink apps and stuff. And we'll look for girls together and message them and let them know, like send us, send them pictures of us together, you know, letting them know that we're a couple and we're seeking a third for an evening or stuff like that. I've actually became really, really good friends with some of the girls and now we hang out on our own time. I don't fundamentally think there's any differences between an escort and a sugar baby. Uh, I mean, I don't really know much about the escort lifestyle other than that, you know, back in the day, they used to be able to have like websites for themselves and it was very much more of a, um, a one night thing basis. I definitely consider, ha did consider myself a sex worker. I wouldn't say so anymore. Now I like to feel like I just have a very rich boyfriend who takes care of me. But I do think when I was first using seeking arrangements, yes, it definitely felt, you know, sex worker type atmosphere. So in conclusion, simply put, to be a sugar baby is what you make of it. And I've really been enjoying having these conversations with and about sex workers for the past couple of weeks because I've always been so fascinated by how many nuances and, you know, subcultures exist within a subculture that also happens to be a booming industry. 
Um, I also feel like I just, I have to say, even though I've never positioned myself to be a role model or uh, an example or to have my show tell you what you should and you should not be doing, but I hope those of you listening, you know, if you are thinking about getting into sex work, if it is something that really resonates with you and you think that you want to do, by all means, proceed. If you are listening to these stories and getting very caught up in how much money is being made and the glitz and the glam, you know, it's important to remember, as you also heard from some of these stories, that there is always a dark side, a very dark side. And to succeed as a sugar baby or an escort, a companion or a prostitute, you know, a paid girlfriend or a transaction, however you want to see yourself, it does take a thick skin. It takes self-confidence. Um, and, and it takes, it takes endurance. It takes mental and physical strength. And, you know, we do live in a society that is very focused on money and what money can afford you, which for better or for worse is a lot literally and figuratively. But I, I did just want to take a moment to say that there are lots of ways that you can make fast money. I mean, look at me. I sell my clothes and my grandma's clothes on my Instagram stories and every single yard sale, as people like to call them, sells out. So there you go. There is an alternative option. And I have been selling my used diptyque glass candle jars on Depop for like anywhere between $15 and $25 a pop used, no candle left in them, just the glass and all of those sell as well. So there you go. Two alternatives. But once again, ladies and gentlemen and people who identify as neither, my name is Allie Weiss and this has been Tales of Taboo. Whether you loved the show or you hated the show or you felt some type of fucking way about the show or you think I misrepresented an idea or someone or something, let me know. I am open to all sorts of commentary, all sorts of conversation. The best way to get in touch with me is my email, alleyweiss at gmail.com. I also made a new email, Allie at alleyweissworld.com. Um, I know that's really confusing. Whichever one you remember, email. But it's much easier to get in touch with me that way than it is to send me a DM because my DMs tend to be flooded. If you would like to send me a DM because you're a lazy fuck, my DM uh, or my Instagram, I should say, is at alleyweissworld as is my Twitter. It was also my TikTok before I got hashtag banned, which we are working on. That's a conversation for another time. But in all seriousness, uh, your listenership really, really means the world, not only to me, but the brave people who took the time to tell their stories for your benefit. Um, and I, I hope that you uh, can appreciate how much their bravery and their willingness to be honest and open might inspire, if not you, somebody you know to do the same. I'm really looking forward to seeing and hearing from you next week. And until then, be good.